Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for and use Exvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Meg Kopka, Director of Sales for Better Manager. Better Manager helps managers and companies around the world create more impact with the people they lead. Whether it's a first-time manager all the way to a CEO, Better Manager provides people, process, and technologies to help managers make a difference in the lives of the people they work with across the entire organization. Now, Meg and her team help leaders find the next level wherever they are. She has unique perspective on what leaders need to do in order to create more impact. And besides having this important point of view that I want to share, Meg is always awesome to speak with. She is always a blast, and I am so excited to have her on the show. Meg, welcome to our show, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Rob. I'm really, really excited to be here. Since the moment I met you, I couldn't wait to be on this podcast. Yes, <laughs> it was it was a moment that I said we had to have you on the show. Uh, I, I love what you do, and you're always just so great to talk to. Why don't you start by introducing to our listeners what you guys do at Better Manager? Because we've all heard the stats. We know, you know, 50% or more of the people in the United States have quit because of a manager. Over 70%, if I understand correctly, are disengaged in the United States right now. And you guys help people solve that. Can you share a little bit of what you do and, and where you fit? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? 70%, Rob, 70% of people are leaving their managers, mm. right, for a different position. They're not leaving their companies. They're not leaving their jobs. Um, and Better Manager was founded on research from Google and um, when they did – Google Project Oxygen and talking about really where the disconnect was, right? And what are the behaviors of the exceptional managers? So with Google Project Oxygen, what they found was that the number one um, quality of the best managers was to be a good coach Mm. to your team. So, and in coaching, you know, just like people, you know, you talk about sales and is it, are there qualities that can be taught there or are they learn, um, or are you born with them rather? And same thing with managers. You're not, you're not born a great manager. You may have those, those leadership skills, so to speak, Rob, but it doesn't mean that you're born with the qualities of great manager. But luckily for everyone, um, it, those can be taught. So I, I love that that's the premise of your company because, uh, you know, you and me, that's one of the things we, we, we hit at Oslo's. I agree with that. I, I think the ability to be a great coach is this huge difference maker for a company because what I love about what you do, Meg, is so much has been about training and teaching salespeople, and that's like one-to-one, one salesperson for one class, and you hope it sticks. But if you get one good manager, that's going to affect eight to ten or maybe in some cases more people. And so that's why I love you're helping create the scale effect, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, and if you think about um, 
you know, think about management in, in an organizational kind of chart layer, right, if you would. Um, and you think about at, at the bottom, right, you have your new managers and you have your failing managers, right, because perhaps they were never taught the skill. And, you, t- you know, talk about sales training or, um, you know, t- corporate training in general. Well, managing is really – you know, it's one of the toughest jobs that you get zero training for, for the Amen. most part. Right? Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really, if, if when you're not getting, when you're not getting coached, you're not getting trained, you're not getting given the resources that you really need to excel, you're being set up for failure mm. wholeheartedly, right? Um, you know, I, I always talk about, hey, I was always successful and, you know, I hit my quota all the time and I was constantly going to president's club and getting, you know, kudos. And then I became a manager and it all went away. <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> what about me? I'm still doing a really good job, aren't I? Um, and it doesn't just doesn't happen that way so often, right? We get people get promotions as uh, a reward because they're doing such a great job. And oftentimes they just are left kind of floundering and, and they don't know what to do because they've never been exposed to not having success in their individual contributor hmm. role. So let's, I want to get into some of the things that you found working with your team and then working with other teams. But before we do, you mentioned a little bit about your career it was in sales. I love every guest we have on. I always ask them, can you kind of talk to me about how you got into sales? Did you find it? Did you grow up saying, I'm going to be a salesperson? Could you just give us the high level about how Meg got into sales and, and how that led you to better manager? I definitely did not say I wanted to be a salesperson when I grew up. <laughs> uh, I know John Barrows' book is fantastic about being a salesperson. Maybe that's why I, I wasn't. How great <laughs> is that no book? One, I love that book, by so the way. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No one was reading me that story, though, at night. That's right. So <laughs> I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Um, but I really wish I had, just like, you know, going to major in sales, such as you can do right now. Right. Uh, right, which is fantastic. Too bad for us that, yep. you know, that bus passed. But yep. we, I've always been in sales. Uh, I majored in public relations and communication management. I thought I was going to be the next Connie Chung on air, uh, or at least that's what everybody kept telling me, so I believed it. And I, I've always been very curious, um, naturally curious. I always want to know about every little thing and every little person that I meet. Um, and I always want to, I'm thinking ahead of, hey, how could I maybe help this person? I just find people fascinating and the read on them. So I started um, in promotional products a long time ago, uh, which is a pretty cutthroat cool. yeah. industry, right? Super competitive. Super competitive. And it really led me into marketing, a lot of marketing channels and strategy. Okay. And then um, and then I also went, went into pharmaceutical sales back in uh, back in the day with a company in Boston calling on all the large hospitals and um, within the city and mo- then went into medical devices. I've sold everything wow. from um, anti-gravity treadmills. Nice. Check those out nice. uh, for rehabilitation and, and neurological training. Uh, and then I, I moved to Rhode Island and found that medical positions really weren't uh, – weren't around too much. Rhode Island is a very small state, Rob, (laughs) and no one ever leaves, right? So I moved on to a sales consultancy, which was really my first taste of um, how small companies, you know, top of funnel, how important that really is and the whole process from top 
from top down uh, in sales. So they were really an, an outsourced BDR outfit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was fantastic. But what it really um, gave me the knowledge of is exactly, you know, we worked for a lot of large tech clients. So it was all about what messaging was working, what kind of relationships and rapport you had to establish, um, you know, your call patterns, all of that. Uh, and then that led me to starting to help a, to build a recruiting firm, a sales and marketing recruiting firm um, for the last four years, and which led me to Better Manager because it really gave me an opportunity um, to talk to so many different sales leaders within companies across the country and really know what the problems were, what drives them, what kind of um, issues they're having with their teams and in business in general and the market. And um, so all of that really brought me to Better Manager because everybody wants to be developed and there's such a shortage. And I feel like we're really in a management crisis right now. All right. That is a perfect setup because you've really set it up for what I think is going to be a unique conversation. We've had awesome leaders like you uh, join the show for the last year and a half that we've been doing this, Meg. But I, I like the perspective you're going to bring on this crisis. Uh, I like the word. Crisis is a really strong word, but I think it's an appropriate word. Um, do you think, let's start with that. Do you think there is a crisis? And maybe we should start with this. Is it is a good reason to leave a company that you have a bad manager? Is that an acceptable re reason to leave a company in today's world? If that's if that's hundred percent, a thousand percent, yes. Um, Why? No one. Do you like to? How do you like to be treated on a daily basis, Rob? Do you like to be yelled at? <laughs> do you like to be berated? <laughs> right? How do you like to be treated? Okay. Um, I mean, we've all had bad managers. I think safe to say. Well, I have for sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a safe safe statement. Yeah. So when you have a bad manager, it's either because they don't listen to you properly, they don't communicate effectively, uh, they let everything roll downhill, right? Without kind of figuring out what the important things are to know for the team, uh, they don't know how to give feedback. They make you feel like crap all the time because they're constantly just telling you what to do. Tell, yeah. tell, tell. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They never say, Hey, like, let's brainstorm on this together. Let me empower you so that you can feel like you're going to conquer the world and you can do this, right? Let me pull out the best attributes and help you develop those. Um, so if you want to be, you want to feel great about what you do, especially the, the millennials now, mm. they won't stand. I mean, social purpose um, is kind of, is one of the, and development are really two of their highest priorities when it comes to taking a new job. You wow. have to leave a job if you're not being treated well. And the person that you're with every single day is your manager. All right, so that's good. We, we, I love that you say, hey, yes, leave your organization. So what I want to talk about, we got this is a sales leadership podcast. You got thousands of sales leaders and people that aspire to be listening to you right now, Meg. Okay, and uh, okay. and so what I want to talk about is how do you become the manager worth following? How do you become the manager worth working for? You know, what are some of those? I wrote it down: the behaviors of exceptional managers. I love the word you use, exceptional managers. What are some of those things? You a better manager, you help people become better. So when you're trying to help become better, what are some of those things? Can we start like having a punch list of the stuff that you've seen and help people get into to help them do better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you take one of the things is being a good listener, Okay. right? So how, there's a great scene in Pulp Fiction, you know, where Mia turns to Vincent and says, are you a good listener? 
Do you listen rather? She says, do you listen? And, or do you just wait to talk? And I think everybody, or most people hopefully have seen this scene. I love that movie and I love that scene. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think most managers tend to always be thinking about what the next thing is they're going to say, right? Because they can lead you and maybe they think, you know, that what you're saying may not be as as important to them as it is to you in the moment, or they're thinking about their manager and how they have to turn in reports and they're getting berated because they're, you know, only halfway to quota and, you know, they got 10 days left. There's numerous reasons. Um, but if you're really listening to the person, people feel value. They're very sensitive to it when you're not listening to them. And those levels of listening can be taught. Again, mm-hmm. methods in order to listen better and to be able to process that information are out there. It's Those are tactical ways that you can change behavior. And that's what we're really trying to do at Better Manager is, is help you change behaviors. So this, before we get into some of your other ones, I, I'm really interested in diving into this a little more than Meg, because I think for salespeople, that's also an epidemic. There's lots of salespeople that are just waiting to have their turn to talk and maybe start pitching or demoing or whatever. Um, why do you think it's so hard for managers to be active listeners? Why do you think that is? I think it's, you know, I think it's really hard for managers to be active listeners. I think it's hard for all of us to be active listeners in our professional life, in our home life, when, wherever it is. We're always thinking about what we want to say, how we can relate, even if it's, it's not intentional, right? It's like, how can I relate to this person? How can I build a relationship? Oh, you like the Red Sox? I love the Red Sox, too. I caught a foul, foul ball. I have to remember to tell you that, right? And then all of a sudden, a minute has gone by. It's just kind of like driving. You know, how did I get here? Mm. Like, what are you really saying, Rob? I'm sorry, because I was Mm. distracted trying to even relate to you as a salesperson, Mm. right? Mm. Instead of really pausing and listening and then reacting or or really kind of breaking what you just said down and how am I going to remember that? And even though it's not important, it doesn't have the importance or gratitude on me and it does on you but I need to make you feel valued. You are valued. What you think, what you say, how you contribute to this team is very important to me. That's good. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, I think, I think that the managers, tell me what you think about this. I want you to like, tell me if I'm wrong. It's okay if I'm wrong. We can still be friends. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because I will listen to you, Meg Kopka. And so I think that the skills, like a lot of times we said the skills to be a manager, skills to be a salesperson are totally different. And I agree they are. But there's one thing I think is similar. A salesperson has to be able to connect to something that a, a, a customer or a prospect cares about and then help them achieve that. And I think a manager needs to do the same thing. They've got to connect to things that the member of their team cares about and then help them get there. And, and I think if you could connect the skills that made the, those two things happen, you'd solve tons of the leadership problems. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, listening is something that we can all get better at. And, and I think that leads to practice. It leads to the subject of practice, right? So, so Rob, at the beginning, you mm. talked about all mm. the training in the world, right? Yeah, and yeah. How much money we're spending on training and we have to, you know, what are people really taking from this training, right? right? So, and it's investment that the company has made. And so 
who's there to make sure that what the investment that you just made and the time and effort that everyone just put into this training is actually sticking. That you're practicing what you just learned so that you can be a better salesperson, right? How does this work? Because there's nobody holding you accountable, right? You don't have that person. So at Better Manager, you know, when we do our one-on-one coaching, that is really found to be so successful in that one-to-one relationship, learning how to really connect, learning how to have those conversations, um, and learning how to connect the lines, as you as you were saying before, right? So yeah. really escalate um, and, and make sure that somebody is holding you accountable and, and practice and practice and practice. No matter where we are, if you're in a sports team, you're playing tennis, uh, you know, you're preparing for a debate, you need to practice. And you don't get better and you don't change unless you practice. Yeah, I love it. And I think you're dead on. And so I think that that is probably why I'm going to go back to one of your words, crisis. I think one of the reasons we have a crisis is we've started helping salespeople practice uh, before they go to do it live with customers. But where do you practice the one-on-one stuff? Where do you practice that? That's, that's a really insightful um, uh, point of view, Meg, is that most of the time we're just practicing by how we manage, right? Oh, absolutely. It's kind of like getting thrown into, you just get thrown into the fire, right? Yeah. I mean, who else are you going to practice on except your team? That so how do you do it sense. then? How do you practice? What's, what's, your, what's your point of view on that? How do you do that? Yeah, so I think with, with practicing, you know, if you're, if you're being taught in a one-on-one environment, yeah. you can really focus on yourself and you can get really, really deep into layers through coaching yeah. uh, because you're, you're also getting an outside perspective. You know, sometimes you're not going to get that honesty maybe when you're asking for feedback yep. <laughs> from your team, uh, especially if it's not anonymous. You're not going to get that true feedback. Um, but what we have to learn is that, you know, we want to always be able to take, um, you know, that everything that we're diving deep into, and then we need to go out and we need to practice that behavior. Now, okay, how to go? Good, bad, or indifferent? Let's break it down and have some self-awareness and go through those exercises of, well, if it didn't go exactly as planned, what did I, what did I do that helped? What did I do that didn't help? And how can I make it better? So I think you're constantly using that. So if I'm a manager listening to you talk right now on the show, and they're like, man, I, I probably should do that. I mean, I would challenge everyone listening to the show to say, how much practice are you doing getting ready for your one-on-ones? You know, do, do you, I mean, is it, is it like, do you role play it? Do you like, do you like you look through stuff and say, these are some things I want to talk about first. I mean, I want to go like, I like the idea of find ways to get feedback. Is there any like tactical ways to practice that you might recommend? Well, you know, it's interesting because people, managers have to have the basics, right? We don't right. even have, we don't even get taught the basics out of the gate. So, you know, when you, when you talk about, when you talk about, you know, we, we developed, um, we actually developed something called master classes for new managers that just to address this because these were coming up, these topics were coming up so often. So for, for example, how to do a one-on-one. Right. How are you going to make sure how often do you do one on ones? Are yeah. you doing them once a month, twice a year? You know, well, best practice, you know, you should be doing those once a week. 
should be making sure that you're having time with every single person on your team, right? And we give you tools. We give you content. We give you um, ways to to tactically execute that. And then, you know, you move on. So how do you, um, how do you be a good coach to your team? No one teaches you that. And those are also skills that can be taught. How about having a difficult conversation? How giving feedback? Those are always, you know, party pleasers because first of all, nobody likes to do it. Right. And (laughs) especially when it's not so great feedback, everybody loves to give friendly feedback. You're right. Um, But giving difficult feedback or whether it's with somebody. And when I talk about, you know, as a manager, like with someone on your team and, you know, it could be another manager or a person of leadership within your company. How do you have that kind of conversation Um, and give feedback without looking like, um, you know, kind of a big jerk. That's so what, so having an executive coach is, is that's a really good reason to have one. So you can do that with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, all of our coaches at, at Better Manager, you know, this is pure business coaching, Rob. This isn't, you know, yeah. this isn't life coaching. This isn't career coaching. Yep. Pure business coaching. So all of our coaches, in addition to be being certified, they all have been in the people management role, right? So they've been managers themselves. And that's really important um, because you need to have that practical, um, tactical advice to be able to share with your participants or the people that you're coaching, along with, you know, the, the actual academic classroom effects. So Meg, the reason I find this so interesting, the reason you see me sitting on it for a minute is I've shared this with you know this, and I think our listeners know this, at Xvoyant, we don't do the executive coaching piece. We have a technology that we use. But I'm finding that right now a ton of my customers are reaching out and saying, hey, Rob, will you do me a solid? Will you listen in on some of my one-on-ones and give me feedback on it? And I'm, I'm getting requests for that a lot. And, and for some of our customers, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, yeah, I'll do that for you. It's really interesting to me to see the appetite for that because I'm finding that managers are realizing this is a skill they've got to get good at. It's not just something you show up and do. This is something you've got to get good at. And I found that that's an appetite that seems to be growing like faster in the, in the recent months. Uh, are you seeing that same thing that managers are realizing that they, this is something they got to really focus their time on? Yeah. I think, you know, traditionally leaders haven't necessarily thought that these even simple management skills were, were something that they had to, that anyone had to, to practice or to figure out. Um, but I think that managers are really, and leadership is starting to understand that, yeah, I need feedback with my one-on-ones because I'm not getting the most out of my people that I could get. My results aren't there. My productivity isn't there. So all of those things, um, you know, you need to come in with, and just like what you say, Rob, like not managing by spreadsheet. You just can't do it anymore, right? You cannot yes. manage by spreadsheet anymore. You have to take different roads and different tactics and getting to know your team to understand even just one or two personal things about them. How can, how can you build trust and have a relationship with your team when you don't bother asking them any questions, Right. They're Amen. just kind of there, do this, you know, do that, get to your quota, let me know if you need help. But I don't know anything about you or your life or what drives you or what motivates you. 
Imagine if I could, if I could know what drives and motivates every single person on my team, I'd be a hell of a better manager. So how do you do that? That's a, that's a really good place to go. That was kind of where I wanted to go as I'm looking at the time and I'm looking at my notes. I want to get into the one-on-one. You've talked about that three times now. You've brought it up. So the one-on-one is clearly an important part of being a better manager. Um, how do you use the one-on-one in a way that you can tie to the objectives of the company, which is obviously important, but do it in a way where you align with and tie into the goals and aspirations of the individual? Can you do that? Is that like utopia? Is that like the unicorn that you've heard of that never exists? Can it be done? How do you do it? So I think it definitely can be done. Uh, and I think it starts with effective communication as well. Okay, going so into we're those back to that. Yep. So we're, we're going back into that. Yep. Um, you know, when you're, when you're doing a one-on-one and, and you're figuring out goals, I think you need to have a lot of participation from, mm. from your team member. Right. So if you're, if you have, if you've taken the time that you've needed, and, and this is something I learned while helping to build the the sales and talent acquisition firm is that, you know, if you've taken the time and the process and set up the right talent acquisition strategy, which by the way, includes onboarding and includes training, it includes a development program. um, If you haven't set that up properly right from the get go, um, you're in, you're in a lot of trouble, right? <laughs> but if you, if you have faith in the way that you hire, then you've hired really good people, right? And you hire them for a reason because they have something that can make your organization better. They can contribute. They have different strengths. And that's what we are about at Better Managers, teaching managers how to identify those strengths and really bring them out. So if you trust your team and the people that you've hired, you should want their input on everything. Mm. So when you're talking about goals, like make them think, challenge them, your team to think about what their goals are and how to tie the one-on-ones and and do short-term goals. You can have some long-term, but let's get better at this by X percentage. Let's, you know, make X amount more phone calls, whatever it is that's driving, you know, that activity. But again, go back to what's really, um, what's going to be effective and how are you going to bring that out? And that's again, by building trust. So, so Meg, one of the things you just touched on that I want to make sure we don't blow by because you talked about it twice, but I want to push pause and I want to call this one out because you got my attention with it. Uh, I think it's a big one. And I think that one of the things that managers often get, they miss in a one-on-one, you talked about goals and it's you, I don't think you were talking about the sales goal. I think what you're talking about is their activity or their skill related development goals that would help them get to their sales or whatever their performance goal is. Mm-hmm. I have found that one of the, like I call them the seven deadly sins of one-on-one coaching. And one of my deadly sins is we confuse a conversation for a commitment. And I think too many managers don't have people set a goal as a result of having that one-on-one. Who you talk about, like, again, agree or disagree is, is goal setting like that an important part of the one-on-one? Is that an important part of changing behavior and becoming something different? So I think that um, it's interesting you saying, you talking about mistaking a conversation uh, for a commitment, right? Yes, that's right. I think that, I think that happens all the time. Okay. Um, right? Because we're not asking the right questions. Preach. And let's talk about questions. Let's talk about what questions, yes, right? Yes, go. So, <laughs> so what questions, you know, what 
were you thinking when you decided to do this? Or what, uh, what drove you to that conclusion? What drove you to think that you got a commitment when in actuality it was just a conversation? Um, you know, when we ask why questions, it tends to be, you know, put people on the defensive. Like, why did you think that you were doing this? Or, you know, why did you do that, Rob Jepson? You know, tell me, give me a good reason why you would ever do that. I'm like, ah! I know. <laughs> <laughs> you collapse on the floor. Um, what questions gets behind, okay, I'm not trying to put you on your heels. I just want to know what you were thinking. I want to know what the, the thought process is because I value that. It contributes to the organization. It contributes to the team. So what, tell me, replace all your why questions with what questions. And in mm. fact, I will, um, I'll share with you and your audience. Um, I have a great mind map of what questions that can really help sales managers out there with conversations. All right. Before you do, I have to push pause again because that was awesome. Get rid of your whys and replace them with what's. That was good. Uh, so I'm trying. I, I'm like, oh, my God, don't ask me that question because I'm like, I'm not a freaking coach. I'm a. Yeah. No, that was good. Okay. I like that because you're right. Asking why does get you defensive. Moving to what makes it so you can become more tactical and you can actually make other uh, decisions on, on to do things differently that will yield a different result rather than what were you doing? What were you, you know? Yeah, I love it. That's really, mm -hmm. really insightful. Now back to your, back to where you were. I'll push pause again. You know, you can yes. keep going. I love it. Yeah. And, and then, um, I feel like, I, okay. Yes. Let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at all my notes and I'm like, I didn't say this and I didn't say that. And I didn't well, say that. And I, well, let's go where you want to go. Let's finish this because this is a really good conversation. You're giving like this concept of making commitments and this concept of replace the whys with what's, those are both really good tactics. Like if I, if my next one-on-one, -on -one, if everybody that's listening to this says, I will make sure I have a coaching goal. Cause I'm telling you like Meg, when we work with customers our the managers that we work with around the world, I'm not, as I'm listening in on some of these one-on-ones, it's interesting to me how many managers get nervous asking people to make commitments. They really want to have the conversation. They love the conversation. But the asking them to make commitments sometimes makes them nervous. I can only assume that they feel like maybe I'm micromanaging or maybe I'm big brothering. But it's the same in sales. If you don't get customers' commitments, you're going to go hungry. Right. And so, you, have to, you have to be comfortable with that pause, right? I feel like salesmen, <laughs> we, we're all uncomfortable with silence but because we, we like to talk because yes. uh, we are natural salespeople. But, yes. you know, when you, when you take that pause – you have to be willing to like write it out. You're, you, you know, you're playing a little chicken, a little chicken fight right there, right? Cause you're waiting to see who's gonna, who's gonna say what, who's gonna hedge their bet first. Uh, and I think that it's really important that just like when you're, when you're doing your one on ones, that same thing, you have to have that coaching goal. If, if you don't have something like that, um, it doesn't allow for continuous education, continuous improvement and continuous um, growth of the relationship between you and your manager. Love it. So I love that. And then replacing the whys with what's, that's awesome. So those are two killer tactics. Are there any top of mind things for you that you want to talk about that relates to this one-on-one -on -one concept? Uh, is there anything we left out? Yeah, I think, so there's another concept um, that my co-founder, Wendy Hansen, uses all the time, and, okay. and that's dance floor to balcony. 
Right. So when you're and I and Rob, if you and I were dancing right now, right, we're yep. we're in the midst of everything. There's so many people around us. We kind of we kind of can't see, yep. and <laughs> <laughs> the lights are dark, and um and you're in the weeds. You're you're just in with everybody else, and the music is blaring, and you know the disco balls going. Yep. Well, if you you can't see things, but if you go upstairs to the balcony and you're able to look down and really see what's going on and take a step back to say, these are the things that are sticking out. These are the things that I didn't, that I notice now that I didn't notice before because I didn't take time. And I didn't know how to go up to the balcony. I was always down. I was always down on the dance floor, getting down to some Bruno Mars. I was never up there just kind of getting some meditation music on for my, you know, for, for levels. So that's another really great tactic that we talk about in one-to-one coaching um, is how do you take time to think for yourself and, and schedule time to go up to that balcony, go up to the balcony and see what's going on from a different perspective. That is awesome. We don't have time to dive into it the way I want to. Is there one thing It's like this balcony concept I think is a really, really good one because sometimes you're chasing the thing right in front of you that you can't see anything else. Absolutely. Is there like one thing that you can give our listeners to get to the balcony? Here's one thing to consider. Is there one thing there? So, I mean, to get to the balcony, I think that you, it, it really takes someone almost dragging you up to the balcony oh, <laughs> at first. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I think it's a, it's a, it's a concept again that you have to learn that people are uncomfortable with or you're not used to doing it. I mean, the entire, what we're talking about here, Rob, is just stepping outside your comfort zone step outside the comfort zone because we are all little babies kind of, you know, in our fetal position and we like to do what's good and we like to say that we like to be uncomfortable, but no one really likes to be uncomfortable, right? But in order to make ourselves better, we have to do it. We've got to step out of the things that we've done in the past that, you know, maybe made sales and business successful for us because they're not going to work anymore. We need our teams engaged. Uh, we need our teams to be empowered. We need to know how to pull the strength and leverage those from our team. Um, and we need to be better managers or it's just never, we and our teams are never going to be sick, have the success that we need to have moving forward. So and organizations good. are going to lose talent. That's what it comes down to too, right? Rob, an empty seat, a manager leaving for another $5,000 or $10,000 because they can't stand their manager. I mean, it's a cascading, it's just a cascading effect. Uh, companies need to, to reduce their churn, increase their retention, um, and equip their managers to be able to do their jobs. And I think that equipping the managers is easy to say and hard to do. That's what I oh. think. I think we equip everything that's all the way out at the front line. So whatever the end position is, we, we try hard to equip those. But as you come back up, I love, that's what I can tell you. I love your hierarchical view of leadership. As you move up the hierarchy, I believe the availability of tools falls off each level you come up. And, um, so, so that's, that's also interesting. I want to move to something else. I can't believe we, we're going to, we're still good on time, but it's going fast, Megan. Every time I talk to you, time flies. I love it. Yeah, it's like a um, time you've given me some great things for the one-on-one. You've given me some great uh, reason, things that makes managers better or to use your term, exceptional. So I'm a manager. Okay. Let's, 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 let's think I'm a manager. How do you know? How do you self-assess? How do you self-correct? If you're sitting here listening to this right now and you're driving on the freeway or traffic or you're on the treadmill, you're walking or you're walking your dog, whatever you're doing as you listen to this, 
how can a manager self-assess and say, am I a manager worth working for? Am I one worth staying at the company for? Is there any like one or two things you might want to suggest? Look for these things so you can kind of know if you're someone that's worth working for or with. Hard that's one. A I'm really not. hard yeah. question. I'm sorry. Right, right. You know, I mean, gosh, do I? Uh, <laughs> how many hours do we have left yeah. on this podcast? Um, you're all. The, you're lucky. It's only a few minutes left, so you're lucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that it. You know, in order to. I think we're always trying to be self-aware, right? Some, I think that comes um, easier to some people than others. Uh, I think that getting an outside voice, and, and I'm not saying this just because I, you know, I represent better manager. I, I truly, truly believe that getting an outside perspective on um, people who deal with you, whether it's personally and professional. So, so, quick thing like so I have a very good friend who has been in a pretty she's been a VP for 15 years um I love her I adore her she has a fantastic personality she's very kind of bold in your face like she's very confident I would never work for this girl I would never work for this friend in a million years. All right, hit me. Right? You gotta tell me why. All right, that's good. Because now you're debunking the myth that you gotta be buddies, right? You're now right. debunking that myth. And right. This is a really, really important conversation, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I remember one day we used to talk on the phone all the time, and, and uh, one day she said to me, Oh, that was my assistant, and you know, oh, she's late and she's doing this, and I can't believe, you know, she didn't bring me, you know, the proposal exactly the time I wanted it, and she walked in three minutes late, and and she was all over this girl, and I was like, aren't you driving from dropping the kids off at daycare, and you're running like 45 minutes late? And <laughs> But she didn't have any empathy, right? And she certainly didn't have any self-awareness to the fact that maybe her assistant bumped, you know, ran into some traffic that morning, or maybe they, she stopped to let a pedestrian cross the road. I'm not giving a pass for being late. All I'm saying is that, you know, when we, our actions are watched, just like being a parent, our walk actions are being watched and listened to all the time by our teens. Um, and, and this girl, my friend, my dear, dear friend, just bad manager. You know, she, she, she didn't coach her assistant. She just berated her and just yelled at her and told her what she did wrong. And, you know, another thing that we say is, is catch them doing it right. Instead of always catching ah, someone do it wrong. Yeah, talk about that. Right. About you... catching yourself doing it right. Yes. Right? It's good. So that's a, that's a, those are, I just wrote down three things. You said that you, I asked you two out of a question. You gave me three amazing answers. I'm going to put it into a framework for you. Tell me if we got the Meg Kopka way of knowing if you're a manager worth working for. Tell me if I got it right, okay? All right, all right. Number one. You, you started with self-awareness, like really push. This is part of getting on that balcony. Be self-aware of where you are. And like, here's some things you might be self-aware. So I'm looking at my notes I wrote down. Do you know what they care about? Like, what are they aspiring to do? What are the goals they've made to help them get there? And are you helping them achieve those things? Those would be good self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm, do people come to the one-on-one ready to talk about those things? Or are they just kind of there like a beat puppy, like waiting to hear you ask why questions instead of what? right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's another one then. So number two I have is empathy. I love when you talked about empathy. So after self-awareness, you ought to ask yourself how much 
how often am I connecting with and showing empathy to the members of my team? And do I get where they are? Not just what they're doing, but do I get where they are? Am I also getting that one right? 100%. And then the last one I have is when you said, um, you talk about coaching the whole time, catch yourself doing it right, catch yourself doing it wrong. What's the quality of your coaching? What's the quality of the one-on-one? Like that's a really, I think, good way for you to self-assess. Quality is the things you talked about, the richness of the dialogue, meaning are you listening or are you talking? Are you setting goals? Or are you prescribing for them? You know, that kind of stuff. I, I think those are three really good ones that as you were talking, I wrote those things down. If, if every manager got good at those three things, Meg, I got to think that, that that work environment changes pretty fast, right? Oh, oh absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's all about how you show up. How are you going to show up today? No matter what's happening. And, and, and we're, we're human. We're all human. We have those things, the silly yes. things called emotions that yes. don't, let us, uh, don't let us go, right? And they follow us. They're like creepy little cre- creatures sitting on our shoulders. And, and they affect how we act. Um, but I think that, you know, if you're a really good manager and you can have empathy and kind of pick up on things and, and understand that, you know, we're all going to have good days. We're all going to have not as good days. But but how are you going to choose to show up for your team? How are you going to make sure that when that person on your team becomes a manager someday, how are you going to make sure that they know what good looks like? They know what great looks like because they had that in you as a manager. They had someone who listened to them. They had someone who was interested in their career, who developed them. They had somebody who cared enough to coach them on their strengths to be successful. And now here you are, you're a manager too. And you remember Rob was the best damn manager I ever had. He, I mean, like the gun show was that he was fantastic. I would, I would follow him from company to company to company if I could. Right. If you think about how many people don't have that example, that goes back to the crisis, Rob, right? The crisis that we're in right now. How many people don't know what good looks like? Because they've never had it. So they don't even, they just know bad, bad, and worse. So good. Meg, you're amazing. We, I have one question that I didn't think I was going to even ask. I didn't, I just thought of it now as I listened to you. So I'm sorry. This Uh-oh. one, this one, I don't know, man. So you're already kind of, you already chastised me once for, for asking, but you did so awesome. I'm going to go one more on this one. Okay. Yeah, wait. All right. So now I'm talking, this now is going to be to the sales people that are listening to the show. Cause we do have a lot of sales people that listen that, that want to be sales leaders for a salesperson. Listen to you right now. And again, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you I was going to ask this question. Okay. In the interview right. process, when you're picking, we've, we've already talked a lot about how to pick good companies. How do you pick a good manager? Like when you're looking at an interview with a company, can a salesperson or any person, can they like pick who's going to be that exceptional kind of manager rather than just more of the crap that they may have seen before? Yeah. So that, I love that question, Rob. Uh, Cause I, I think that organizations, um, have a, have a big problem in the way that they um, sometimes interview and or hire talent, right? And I think that's because they companies need to realize that we're in a great job market. Candidates have multiple places to go. 
right? And so you need to attract those people as well. And so when you're interviewing and and the person, I, I would be asking everybody who interviews you, and usually they have some peer interviews, um, interviewers, I should say, but I would ask them how happy they are oh. and ask them when the last time was that they had to, they felt that they had to sacrifice things in their personal life because they didn't feel like they could share it at work. That's awesome. Right. So, so that could even be, I didn't get to go to my kids. I didn't make it to see my kid pitch the little league game because I wanted to leave at five minutes to five. I had a deadline and my boss, my manager said, Nope, like you got to get that in. He would never understand. And I miss my kid playing baseball, right. Or pitching the game. That is a clear sign to me. I mean, I get deadlines happen. We're all in sales. Sometimes, you know, our lives are held to the fire. Um, However, if your manager doesn't understand the things that are important to you, like your kid playing baseball and wanting to see that game, that's not someone you want to work for. Love it. And those kids, everybody without kids, you know, whatever it is in your personal life and the things that if you've had to make multiple sacrifices all the time for your company and they don't understand that a happy personal person and a happy work person are the same, same being, uh, then I would run far away from that company. Okay. Those good. You, you did it, man. We made it to the end. We're going to finish the way we finished with everyone, Meg. Three questions, rapid fire. The same three for everybody. You ready? I am ready. Okay, number one, <laughs> leaders are readers. We found that the great leaders are the ones that never are, are done uh, on, their, on their personal development journey. Is there a book or an audible or a podcast? Is there something that you would recommend someone should be putting into their head to help them extend their leadership journey? Anything top of mind? Um, so I'm really into to podcasts like this uh, and TED Talks right now on, on the treadmill in the morning. Um, but I also really love Robert um, Cialdini with the Six Universal Principles of Influence because I think all of those, um, you can stick to those, you're, you're doing all right. Okay, we'll, we'll get that one on our leadership library. We've got a killer li- leadership library on our website now. We'll, we'll make sure we get that one on there. Um, that, was, that was number one. Number two, uh, I'll be interested to get your take on this one. For the leaders, uh, we, this is the this is the fan favorite. They've asked us to ask this question every time, so we do. When you're interviewing people, is there a go-to question or a go-to concept that you find most revealing and most helpful when you're interviewing for salespeople? Yeah, so I I love the question. Um, what drives you to work? Not in the automobile sense, yeah. but why do you work? Yeah. And I think that that leads to a very uh, a great conversation really in depth that you can get both um you want everybody has different motivators and drivers and the more you understand what those are the faster and better you'll more effective you'll be in knowing if it's a good match beautiful and the the last one okay we're almost off the hook Meg. you've Ooh, done so good my breathing okay. yep greatest leadership challenge and uh, how do you overcome it uh, so I think a lot of sales execs right now um, or, or leaders don't necessarily understand or, or put development of their teams mm. as number one, right? And, and so when I, and when I say that, I'm going to go back to something that I, I started to say before, but that was also um, the fact that senior leaders, if they are not 
thinking about their talent acquisition strategy, thinking about their their development strategy for their people, um, their companies are not going to find the same success. It's, it is worth the time. It is worth the energy and the focus to do it right so that you have the right people on your team, that you develop them, that they stay with your organization for a long time, that they're dedicated to your team. Um, so I think, how do I address it? How do I face it? Countless conversations, as many as I can have. Um, you know, I, I joined Enterprise Sales Forum as a GM in Boston a few years ago just for that reason, because I wanted to be able to, like you said, give tactical solutions um, in the hands of salespeople today that they can use tomorrow um, to be better. So beautiful. that's what I'm always trying to do. Meg, you're amazing. I, I'm telling you, every time I talk to you, I feel like it was it went too fast. And it was always awesome, and this was no different. How do our listeners, you will have listeners that want to continue the conversation. You'll have people want to reach out to you. How do they get more from you? How do they get more about Better Manager? How do they continue the conversation? What, what do they do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Meg at bettermanager.us is my email. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, we're also having a, a webinar at the yep. beginning of November uh, with Mr. Rob Jepson yeah. as one of the panelists. It's going to be fantastic about building a thriving sales culture. Uh, so any of those methods and, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn or and shoot me a message. I'll be happy to, uh, to chat. All right. You're the greatest. I love it. Um, I love what you bring to the table, Meg. She's bringing the, the behaviors and the attributes of the most exceptional managers in the world, helping solve the leadership crisis. It's Meg Kopka and Better Manager. And as always, happy selling. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? You know, it was awesome getting Meg on. I like Meg. Meg's fantastic at what she does. She's a great sales leader, and I love what her company does at Better Manager. And I thought the fact that she was a great sales leader, plus her company helps develop sales leaders and make for a good uh, conversation. And it turns out I was right. It was it was a great interview. It was a great conversation, and I love what Meg brings to the table. Um, I love how she started the whole thing where she said, we're in a sales leadership crisis. And it's true. There, there's more reps than there's ever been. And there's you know fewer good managers, I think, relative to the number of reps. So your likelihood of having a great manager gets lower because we're working so hard on equipping and training salespeople, but we do not have that same availability of training and tools for leaders. Uh, that, that, that crisis, I think, is a really appropriate word. And I think that Meg's interview goes a long way in solving the sales leadership crisis. And and I have so many good notes from, from what she talked about. And really, there's three things that really jumped at me as I listened back to my conversation with Meg. The first I want to start with is kind of her big three on skills. She She spent a lot of time at the beginning saying sales leadership is a skill that you can learn for sure. You know, too many times we think about leaders are born and not made, and that's just a bunch of crap. Great leaders are absolutely made. I, I find myself working on my sales leadership all the time. I'm, I'm working with our customers. I'm working with our own sales team. And, man, I'm not there. I feel like I've worked hard on it, and I, I've got farther to go. And, and, and we need to be actively chasing those leadership skills. And, and I thought that her big three were really good ones. It was self-awareness. You know, what are you good at and what do you need to get good at? What do you need to get better at? Second was empathy. 
I believe that we need to have, be empathetic to our salespeople as well. I think that she's on to something with that. Too often we're just focused on the number, and we need to be focused on the empathy that we can show our reps. I mean, everyone has different lives that they're in the middle of, and, and the better you can understand where they are in their journey and where they are in, in the doing the job, the more effective you'll be. And the third skill was the quality you are as a coach. And I thought that was really interesting. I mean, you guys that listen know that I'm all about coaching, and it doesn't take long for most of our episodes talking about sales leadership to get to coaching. And when I started Exvoyant over three years ago, a lot of our sales calls started with the, the case for coaching. I have a, a whole series on the, the business case for coaching. I don't even have to do that anymore because people know that coaching is so important. And so those are her three things. What's your self-awareness like? What's your empathy like? And how good are you as a coach? I thought those were really good things. Um, <clears throat> second thing that I thought really stood out to me from, from Meg is the importance in that one-on-one. -on -one. We talked a lot in there about what makes for a good one-on-one -on -one, since that's a skill. Uh, we, we had a killer conversation around what, what makes for a good one-on-one. -on -one. You should go back and listen to it again because I think Meg's really spot on. But the one that I see happening more and more and more is I think that managers are really good at having conversations and not so good at getting commitment. Uh, we learned a long time ago as salespeople that we had to get prospects to make commitments. But for whatever reason, um, as managers, we're very gun-shy of trying to ask our, our reps to make commitments. Listen, I'm going to spell it out as clearly as I can. If you have a one-on-one -on -one and you don't finish with a coaching goal or a commitment of some kind – all you had was a conversation, and it was not a coaching session. Um, it, it really is that simple. And I've been listening to a lot of leaders lately doing their coaching sessions, and for whatever reason, they don't like asking people to make commitments. We have to make commitments. If you're not doing that, I got news for you. You are not going to have the impact that you can have, and you probably – um, are just having good conversations, but you're missing the commitment phase, that means you're missing the real impact that you can create. So if there's one thing you can take from this podcast, start having every one-on-one -on -one have an element where you set a goal. Do more of something. It could be as simple as going from five prospect calls to eight. It could be saying, I'm going to get better at this skill. I'm going to take this course. I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to do something. But if in a one-on-one -on -one, you don't have someone decide to do something differently or do something more, then you are missing an opportunity to really take charge in helping someone improve it. And, and I'm telling you, I see it all the time. I agree with what Meg's perspective is. It's one of those things that we stop short of, and it's a separator of the great leaders versus the average ones. It's why, by the way, 83% of sales leaders think they're great at coaching and only 13% of the time do reps think they're getting coaching. It's because leaders aren't asking them to make commitments. And, and that leads to the final one. I loved her idea of get to the balcony. Make sure you get yourself to a vantage point where you have perspective. Don't just stay in the weeds. Get to that perspective place. How are you doing? How is the team doing? You know, what skills do you need to get? What skills do we need to get for our team? How do we make sure we're not just dancing on the dance floor and instead can we get to that balcony where we can see the whole thing? Uh, I, I think that that will drive a lot of really great things that you can do as a leader if you do those things. So I, I love Meg. You know, Meg's fantastic. If you don't follow her already, you need to. Connect with her. Reach out to her. She's one of my favorite people. Um, I, I want to thank you, Meg, for joining our show. I want to thank each of you for listening. I continue to get such great feedback. Keep sending me the people that you want on the show. Keep sending me questions you want asked on the show. 
And most of all, don't worry. Just execute. Because absolutely, positively, we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.